Okay, <clears throat> so this is titled Diplomatic Immunity. We're going to keep talking about ambassadors. Let me just remind you of a couple of things we've said so far. Before I do that, just welcome. I'll actually take a moment to look at you. Say it's lovely to see you. Praise God. It's always different when we get together. You are an ambassador of the Most High King. That's the truth. In the same way you were a son and you were a daughter, you were a saint, you were a prince or a princess, you were also an ambassador of the Most High God. You don't need to try and be one. You don't need to read your Bible more or pray to become one. You just have to accept that you already are one and start living from that place. We have not been very good at claiming nor owning uh, not up to this point on my basis teaching you about your identity as an ambassador. And Jesus, I'm just quickly summarising what I've taught you about the last three times, Jesus believes in you. We talk a lot about our faith in Jesus, but Jesus has got tons of faith in you. He believes anything he asks you to do, he thinks is possible. He doesn't so when he asks Peter to come out to him on the water, it's not because he wants to make a fool of him, it's not because he wants to make him the butt of jokes, it's because he believes he can actually do it. And he does do it. So whenever Jesus asks anything of you, it's because he believes you can actually do it. And then last time I shared, we looked at John chapter 7, and we said that Jesus offers streams of living water. But in order for water to live, it has to both inflow and outflow. Otherwise, it becomes stagnant, and it's not very nice. And actually, as you release that living water everywhere you go, you find you get this continual flow, and the more you look for opportunities to release Jesus, the more Jesus flows into you. But if you're not using what God's given you, then there's no room for any more to flow through you. So the way to get more of him is actually to give more of him away, whatever that might mean. And that's not about having the ministry or doing a job or being in church. It's, it's about being like Jesus, wherever and whenever you are. The truth is you are a finder. You are a direction giver. You are bread for the hungry. You are life for the dying. You are health for the sick and you are water for the thirsty. Not because you are it, but because he is in you and he is all those things. And his only representative on the earth is now you. That's who he's got on the earth to share. His water and his food and his health and his life. It's you. The issue, of course, the issue is not whether you are the answer. The issue is whether you are willing to believe you are the answer. You, you are the answer. That's it. As ambassadors of Jesus... We are called to share everything he has given us with those around us, whenever and wherever we find ourselves. But again, this is not about, this is about you learning who you are and operating from that place, not trying to be something that you're not. But let's dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are going to go, this, these few verses are like, there's just gold in every, I mean, there's gold in the whole book, obviously, but therefore... No, let's start here, actually. No, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and you could spend a whole year talking about that, the new creation has come, the old 
has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So you and I have been given a message and a ministry, and it's one of reconciliation. It's not one of separation. It's not one of division. It's not one of telling people what they've done wrong because that's not what God does according to these words. It's a ministry of bringing people together. And that's what reconciliation means. It just means bringing people back together. It's about restoring people to Jesus, to themselves, and to those around them. Or maybe we could say it like this. It's about restoring people to their original design as lovers of Jesus, lovers of themselves, and lovers of other people. That's what it means to know Jesus. That's what this thing called Christianity is actually all about. I know it, it often gets presented as all sorts of things, but that's really what it is. That's what Jesus came to do, to restore us to our original design as lovers of him, lovers of ourselves, and lovers of each other. And then Paul uses this term ambassador to describe himself. And, and, and as ever, when Paul gives us something, it's full of meaning and significance. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and it's full of analogies and metaphors. He talks about armies and families, and uh, he talks about being the bride. He uses all these pictures. He's desperately trying to share what it means to know Jesus. And, and in this scenario, he uses the word ambassador. He talks about it here. He uses it in one other place in Ephesians that we'll talk about later on. But an ambassador is someone who is sent from one nation to another nation. He's sent on a leader's behalf to represent the sending nation and to bring the will and heart of the sending nation to the nation he is sent to. An ambassador lives in one place, but he is from another place. They live in a host nation, but they are from a home nation. The American ambassador in London is from a different place. He's from America. That's where his home is. And he lives in England. That's his, ho his host nation. So we could say this. Ambassadors live in a host nation. But they are from a home nation. They live in a host nation. But they're from a home nation. More than that, though, they don't just live in a host nation and are from a home nation. They are resourced and provided for from their home nation. So there may be severe lack in the host nation, but in the embassy where the ambassador lives, there is no lack because the ambassador is resourced and provided for not from the host nation, but from the home nation. So think of places like Venezuela, where right now there is rampant inflation and economic collapse. But in the embassy of the United Kingdom, there is not scarcity and there is not lack and there is not a problem because they are not resourced from the Venezuelan economy. They are resourced from the UK economy, which compared to everywhere else is doing all right. So the ambassador in Venezuela, although everything around him seems like there's lack, he does not know that lack because he's not resourced nor provided from by where he is because that is just his host. It's not his home. They are not subject to or governed by or affected by that lack because they are sustained and resourced by their home nation. 
And that thought allows you to make sense of things like Genesis 26, where it says Isaac lived in a land of famine, and yet he planted and reaped a hundredfold. Maybe Isaac knew that he was in a host nation, but it wasn't his home nation. Maybe he knew that he was in a place where, yes, there was famine and all that, but he knew he was not resourced from his host nation. He was resourced from his home nation. Why would you sow when everyone else is saving the grain because there's no harvest? Well, you would sow if you knew you were resourced and provided for from a different place to those around you. Isaac, thousands of years ago, did not allow himself to be defined or controlled or limited or confined by the conditions of his host nation. He was able to live from his home nation in a way that no one else could understand it. And in the middle of these uncertain and often chaotic times, it is worth being reminded that as lovers of Jesus, this is not our home nation. Ideally, I would like my passport to say that my nationality was heaven, because that's the truth. But unfortunately, it's not on the drop-down list. <laughs> so I have to have British, which I'm wonderfully proud of. But it's just not true. I am not British. I am from, the, I am from heaven. That is where my home is, and this is my host nation. <laughs> or from wherever you may be from, wherever it may say. And just like you, I am an ambassador to this host nation sent from my home nation. Which means that we do not draw our identity or our values or our calling or our relationships or our direction from what happens in the host nation we are in. Rather, we are sustained from and resourced from and connected to somewhere else, something else, someone else that allows us and permits us, if we'll accept the truth of it like Isaac before us, to behave in a time of lack with weird, crazy, unusual, makes no sense generosity. Because where my home is, there is no lack. So we can be generous in our love, grace, mercy, compassion and reconciliation, even when there might be a famine in our host nation of those things. Because we are not resourced from our host nation. And there is plenty of grace and love and mercy and compassion and joy in our home nation. We are in one place, but we are from another place entirely. And we would do well to remember it more often. Now, interestingly, there are two types of ambassadors. You can be an extraordinary ambassador, or you can be a plenipotentiary ambassador. Now, extraordinary sounds good, doesn't it? And, and for, for a lot of the time, the church has been extraordinary ambassadors. The problem is they're not the best ambassadors. Because extraordinary ambassadors are temporary. They have fewer powers and they have less authority. But really, the church, you and I, are meant to be plenipotentiary ambassadors who, have permanent, who are here permanently and we have full power and we have full authority to deliver on behalf of our home nation. It seems generally we have thought we have little power and little authority. We have looked at our host nation and sighed when all along we should have got excited about the opportunity to influence it. 
Our temporary theologies and actions have not served our host nation well, which has happened throughout history. When the host nation, and just I'll think how true this is for today, when the host nation seems to be veering away further and further from our home nation, we often give up, thinking it's too great and the job's too difficult. It happened way back thousands of years ago when the Jews were taken into Babylon. They lost all hope. We read this. By the rivers of Babylon, they'd been exiled from Israel into Babylon. We sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? They couldn't be who they thought they were, so they gave up. They stopped praising and worshipping. They stopped declaring who he was. They were not celebrating Oh, that's re- really disappointing. Our Joshua's, you're the only one, Joshua. Where's all the youth group? We had a deal. Ellie's, oh, Ellie's, yeah, I forgot Ellie wasn't there. They were not celebrating. They were not celebrating. They were not saying this is a cracker-lacking time. They were saying something <laughs> completely different. We've got a little deal going where they have to give me a word or a phrase and they have to get it in. <laughs> I thought they might listen a bit better. You didn't cheer, though. The deal was you have to cheer when I say it, not laugh. So, I, so far, you've let all your mates down. <laughs> Crackalacking was this week's word. Anyways, back to what we're talking about. I had a great time with them on Thursday night. It was ace being with them, sharing with them. All about feelings and triggers and habit loops. It's very good. But anyway, back to Crackalacking. They allowed their host nation to become bigger in their eyes than their home nation. They allowed what they saw around them and went, oh, this is terrible. Look look at our host nation. But they forgot about home. They forgot about home. They looked at how terrible the host was and forgot how wonderful home was. And they forgot where the power was and where the authority was. They forgot they were plenipotentiary. They forgot they had all the power and all the authority. They allowed what they saw with their physical eyes, what they read on the news about the laws that were being made and what was going on with politicians and what was going on in their culture and what was acceptable and not acceptable. And instead of standing up and going, but I've got a better answer, they just gave up. Church, if there was... You see, this is what we don't understand. The more it diverges, the more exciting it gets. The more it diverges, the more exciting it gets. That's what's so wonderfully fantastic about this time that we're in. Really? That's why it's so exciting. It's so easy because you've got some answers now. It's so easy to speak into the pain and the disruption and the chaos and all that because you've got some really easy answers and people want to know those answers. We just have to speak them. This is what God said to them. Jeremiah 29, verse 5 to 7. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In other words, stop moping about and whinging how terrible you think it is. You are my representatives. And although you may be in a different nation and a different culture, you are my people who are called by my name to represent me. Or to put it in New Testament language, you are my ambassadors. And I have sent you to this host nation to tell people about me and to show how wonderful I am. 
And you, you see this call to seek the peace and prosperity of our host nation, to pray for it, to bless it, to sow into it. You realize our town cannot prosper without us being who we are called to be. It cannot prosper. It's impossible for it to prosper. The council can do all it can, and it works incredibly hard with very little. But you know what? There are some things it can't do because it's skin. Well, praise God, we can do them then, can't we? And praise God, we can say that God's doing it, and the church is doing it, and we can actually do something about what's going on. We can complain and moan about, we've not got this service, not got that service. Okay, well, let's be that service then. Let's be the answer instead of complaining about the problem. That's the way our city prospers, by us bringing home to host, or as Jesus put it, bringing heaven to earth. And our home and our host nations couldn't be more different. Our home nation is spiritual, it's internal, it's eternal. It's what we call, Jesus called the kingdom of God. Our host nation is physical, it's external, it's temporary, it's the world. But listen, the church, the church is heaven's embassy on the earth. It's an expression of our home nation in our host nation. There's embassies. The UK has embassies all around the world. And in that embassy, it is the rules and laws of the UK that take precedence. Inside the gates, if you were ever in trouble and you run to the embassy, once you are through those gates, the laws of the host nation cannot touch you. They cannot touch you. An embassy provides refuge, resource, influence. It blesses, it helps, and it invests in the host nation. It provides refuge, resource, influence, blessings, helps, investment. And note that when I say church, I don't don't mean what we do all together as a family with a CLC label on the front. I mean what we do individually. Individually, because we are the church, aren't we? Of course, we do things corporately, but individually, we're it. So, so wherever you go, you are an expression of the embassy. And so as well as reconciliation, we're going to provide refuge and resource and influence and bless and help and invest. So as an ambassador, you are living with a message and a ministry of reconciliation to provide refuge and resource and influence and blessing and help and investment in this host nation. Part of the problem is that too often Christians and churches have acted like nuclear bunkers instead of embassies. They have acted as though they need to hide away to escape the radiation of the host nation, terrified they might somehow be poisoned by it. Huh? It's completely the wrong way around. It's not a nuclear bunker to hide until the great rapture. My Lord, what a load of nonsense. What utter nonsense. The whole point of the church is to be an embassy, to go out wherever and whenever we find ourselves. And even if we know it's an embassy, neither is the embassy here to have lavish balls and soirees for the embassy staff hiding away, pretending the misery of the host nation does not exist. Let's all have a good time together because it's tough out there. Yeah, there's a reason it's tough and you're sent to make it better. The whole point of an embassy is to influence the host nation. That's why it's there. We have embassies all around the world because we want to influence those countries. We want them to see things from our point of view and do things as we would want to do them. That's why we have those places. 
But the church is not a bunker to protect it from the host nation, but a launch pad to influence its host nation. But there's something else. It gets even better. There's something else you need to know about ambassadors. And this is something that I think Paul, that we read in the Bible, had grasped. It's why he kept on going through beatings and imprisonment and lies and the sleepless nights. And the, I mean, if you read some of the stuff he went through, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what he went through. But I think he understood something about his ambassadorial position in Jesus that meant he did not put his heart down. And as Paul was telling us last week, when he was imprisoned in a jail, he kept on singing. You see, when the Babylonians were in prison, they put their hearts down. But Paul knew something they didn't know, which is why he kept on singing. Because no matter what the host nation did to Paul, he seemed immune to its attempts to stop him in his ambassadorial role to be a voice, to the, a voice of reconciliation to the world. Hundreds of years ago, governments created the concept of diplomatic immunity. It meant that no matter what happened, the home nation would always have a voice in the host nation. And diplomatic immunity means that ambassadors have immunity from host countries' laws. So the American ambassador in the UK cannot be prosecuted under our legal system, even if he breaks our laws. And of course, that can be abused, as we've seen with this person in the news who potentially hurt somebody and then just went home to avoid getting it. So it can be abused, but let's not let that steal from the truth of it. The home nation can revoke your diplomatic immunity. The host nation cannot. The host nation cannot revoke your diplomatic immunity. This is what Paul writes in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Now when Paul writes that, it's not just a nice list. He knew that in reality. It wasn't a theory. He actually knew what it was to be in trouble and hardship and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and so on. This was a reality for him. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced. You see, there's our problem. Paul was convinced. Without a shadow of a doubt, he was convinced. And this is what he was convinced of that neither death nor life. And, and, and he'd, he'd been near death many times, and the life he had, trust me, was a lot worse than yours. So it wasn't like he had a good life. Most of it was pretty crap. Neither angels nor demons, neither the past, present, future, so nothing, he was convinced that nothing he'd gone through, nothing he was going through, and nothing that he would go through. He was convinced that nothing in, in the kind of um, unseen realm, he was convinced that no power whether it be a, a power of a government or a power of an individual or a power of a financial thing, no power whatsoever. He was convinced. No height or depth or anything else, just to make sure we've not covered the list off, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am convinced. Oh, I want to be more convinced, don't you? Oh, I want to be even more. I mean, I'm pretty convinced, but I want to be even more convinced. I want to be even more convinced. You know, one of the ways you convince yourself is you do what I did this morning. I feel pretty rubbish. I was up at 2.30 this morning running between two people and one was throwing up and one was almost throwing up. And I've had this horrible head cold for about three weeks and now I've got this horrible hacking cough. But I thought, you know what? I don't give a monkey's uncle. And that's saying it politely. 
because I am going to praise Jesus. And this body is not in charge, because this, this body is a host body. It's a host. It's just a host. This is a host. And anything that's going on is a host. It's not home. This is home. And when you're released home in a host, something happens. Please, Lord, don't let it stop when I get off this stage. That's what happens all the time. Please, Lord, carry on through the rest of the day. Please, Lord. Thank you. But what's he saying? He's saying, I have diplomatic immunity. I have diplomatic immunity. Because, because this is host. He's just host. He's host. Home's here. This is home. Heaven's home. Everything else is host. And he was convinced of it, which meant that everything he went through, he was like, it's host. It's host. Oh, God. Just like, I wish it were that easy. But he understood there was nothing that any host nation could do to him that would separate him from his home nation. He is utterly and completely convinced that whatever life throws at him, he has the backing of his home nation. He understood he had diplomatic immunity. He had learnt to live from home to host. He had learnt to live from inside to outside so that no matter what he experienced in the host nation, it didn't stop him because he didn't live from that place. That wasn't the place he lived from or existed from. He had learnt to live from home to host. And if you don't learn to live from home to host, you'll be shut down with the slightest form of resistance, difficult days, misunderstanding, challenge, pain, and diversity. And of course, this diplomatic immunity, it's not immunity from what the host nation can do to you, because the host nation did everything at Paul. And he writes in Ephesians 6.20, he says, I am an ambassador in chains. Well, how can you be an ambassador in chains? That means the host nation has done something to him. Yeah, because he knew the body they were doing it to was just a host body. His spirit was very free. His body might be chained, but his spirit was free. Home was free. Home could go wherever it wanted, do whatever it wanted, think whatever it wanted. And whatever they tried to do, they could never chain his mind. They could never chain his thoughts. They could never chain his heart, and they could never chain what was on the inside of him. He actually knew it. You see, we don't know that, though. He knew that his home nation was here, and from his internal, eternal, sending home nation, although the host nation had chained him, his from his immunity, in his immunity in his spirit was still there. A few years ago, we had the incredible privilege of taking almost three weeks as a summer holiday, and we drove down through France uh, into Italy and stayed at a, a beautiful static caravan, a campsite, and then we drove back up through Switzerland, we had a couple of nights in Switzerland, we drove back up through, I think, Germany and Luxembourg, and I in Luxembourg and Belgium, and there's a fascinating thing about Europe called the Schengen Zone, which means that you drive through all those countries and never once show your passport, because it's a freedom of movement thing, which means anybody can go anywhere, which I suppose has good points and bad points. But it means that all across Europe there are places like this. This is uh, a border crossing between Austria and Hungary, near Rechnitz in Austria, abandoned. Because we don't need to check what's coming in out anymore because we've got these agreements. The problem for many of us is our border 
course, look like that. And we are engaged too much in import instead of export. Instead of exporting home to host, we have imported host to home, and there's nobody at the border gate. Things from the host nation wander into your life, into the home nation. No checks, no balances, no checking what's coming in, no questioning whether it should come in, no ability to turn it back round again, which means your life goes up and down based on what happens in your host nation, based on what happens in the physical, temporary, external world we live in. You see, if your life goes up and down more based on what happens externally, it tells you you are living from host to home, not home to host. That's what it tells you. And of course, we all to some degree do that. But we are called, wired, equipped to live from our internal life to our outside life. We are called to live from home to host. And I'm not talking about denying what's going on. I'm not talking about pretending the challenges don't exist. I'm talking about where you end up after those challenges. What speaks loudest? Are you going to sit in your chair and complain you've got a cold or are you going to stand on your chair and shout your mouth off because your spirit's going to win because you're going to live from home to host? Or are you going to live from host to home? It's only by living from home to host you can prosper in a prison. It's only by living from home to host you can reap a hundredfold in a famine. It's only by living from home to host you can be stable in unstable times. It's only by living from home to host you can be asleep and in peace in a boat in a storm. It's only by living from home to host when you can give when around you everything is saying withhold and hang on to what you have. It's only by living from home to host you can book a holiday in Europe like I've done for next summer because I live from home to host and I don't care what anybody says about this, that or the other. I am going to go where I believe God wants me to go and where I'm going to go. Yes. Amen? Yes. I'm not going to sit in for, oh, I don't know, I might need an international driving license. Well, get one then. <laughs> Crying out loud. No, but that's what I mean. It affects real life. Oh, it's Brexit, it's Brexit. I might not be able to get enough toothpaste. Oh. Do you know we're now running out of paracetamol because people are hoarding it? It's called fear, people. It's called fear, and there's nothing in my home that is full of fear because it doesn't exist. See how easy it is to live in our host nation. Hey, you stop piling paracetamol. No, because this is not my home. No, because my life doesn't depend on what somebody decides in some Brussels place between in a tunnel, apparently, now. Whatever that means. Living from home to host enables you to live upside down, inside out to everyone around you. How else do you sing hymns in a prison cell at midnight after being flogged, after God's told you to go there? That's what Paul was talking about. Go to Macedonia, okay. Now you're going to get whipped. Now you're going to be in a prison. Okay, well, I'll sing songs then. I mean, talk about another level. My Lord. I like to tell myself that he complained for a bit first and then sang songs. <laughs> Just to make me feel better about it. <laughs> you are resourced from somewhere else, someone else. Your strength, hope, love, joy, peace, grace comes from your home, nation, where there is no lack. There may be a terrible lack of those things in your host nation, but you are not of Shipley or England or Italy or Romania or Nigeria or wherever else you may hail from. You are from heaven. That is your home. 
And as a result, you are heaven's ambassador and you have access to all of heaven's resources. You have diplomatic immunity. So start living like it. Amen. Come on, church, let's get on our feet. Musicians, why don't you come?